Hello. Welcome to Lights Carry Action. I'm Carrie Morrison, your film buff friend, and I'm here to give you brief and spoiler-free reviews so you don't have to do any research. So sit on down and grab a cup of tea and let's get to it. It's really funny to me seeing all the reviews come out for it because obviously when I reviewed it, the film was coming out on the Friday just gone, so on the 3rd of September. And it is so polarizing. People either really love it or really hate it. And I'm definitely like on the scale. I'm more of like center love it. If we're looking at the political spectrum and loving it is labor and hating it is Oh no, I don't want to compare people hating it to Tories. I'm pro Annette and everyone's entitled to their opinion and I called it that it wouldn't be for everyone. So anyway, we're not, we're not talking about that film this week, we're talking about some different films. So this week we're talking about folk tales, legends and fairy tales from all around the world. We thought that folk tales was the most applicable term because fairy tales are quite Eurocentric and we wanted to cover as many kinds of stories as possible that were from different countries. So we felt folk tales was the most appropriate, though we're applying it quite loosely here. But with that being said, let's get on to the first folk tale of the week. Friends. Brothers and sisters. Who can regale me and my queen with some myth? Or tale? first film we're looking at this week is The Green Knight, released, we think, in 2021, written and directed by David Lowery, and it is based on the Arthurian legend of Sir Garwin and the Green Knight, which is a 14th century Middle English folk story, and it is produced by the famous studio A24, which has done some absolute masterpieces. The most recent one that people might recognise is Zola, which I talked about a few weeks ago. So Dev Patel stars it, he's Sir Garwin, and on Christmas Day, he is challenged by the Green Knight to a life-changing journey. You rest your bones, I'll finish your quest for you. It's less of whether you love it or hate it, it's whether you're okay with someone diverting from the original material. I mean, I don't know the original tale of Sir Garwen and the Green Knight, so I was going into this 
fresh eyes didn't know anything about the original tale and from what I've seen is that it takes some artistic liberties and subverts some aspects of it and whether it's a good idea or not because I can't possibly comment on that I think the overall story was really great cinematically it is a beautifully made film especially the cinematography by Andrew Palermo. The music, oh, my favourite thing about this film was the music. And the music is written by Daniel Hart. Just was so entrenched in this medieval feel, but had some modern technology that made it gripping and immersive. And the entire time, it feels like it should be a horror film, but I really wouldn't equate it to that. It was more of like just a spooky drama I can assure you, I don't think this is spoilers. There aren't really jump scares in it. Like there are aspects to it that are a bit spooky, but there's nothing really horrifying about it. Dev Patel absolutely shines in this film, which in my opinion is kind of a given. Dev Patel is one of the greatest young actors, certainly within the past couple of decades. My only gripe with it was that David Lowery doesn't know how to write women in this film. They're all fairly placid as to what is going on. They don't seem to have a lot of drive themselves and they all seem to serve the needs of the protagonist, aka Dev Patel, which was very irritating to me. They just didn't have a lot of characteristics themselves except very supportive of Sir Garwin, which irritated me a little bit. And there's a, there's a scene later on in the film that really is the crux of my issue with the female characters in this film. And if you've watched it, you probably know what I mean. It's frustrating to me that not a lot of people in the UK are going to get to see it because it was put off by COVID for so long. And it's already had a lot of distribution in the US to the point where the Blu-ray and 4K discs have come out. And yet we still haven't got it in the UK. My hope is that it's going to get a Christmas release, possibly. It definitely should be a spooky Christmas film because the first scene or like the first section of the film, and it's all about taking place on Christmas Day. And I think it would be a lovely addition to the Christmas cinematic universe or whatever. Technically, it is an absolutely outstanding film. And whilst the character development leaves me wanting more, I think it is immersive enough and fascinating as a viewer that I really enjoyed this. Now, let's get on to the second film of the weekend. This takes a different turn to adapting a folktale. This is it. Dresses by Ella. Here's a laugh. This girl fancies herself a businessman. <laughs> Cinderella, it's only my love for your father, rest his soul, that stands between you and a life on the street. I have to make a life for myself. I'll sell one of my signature dresses. Soon everyone will know my name. <sighs> <sighs> The second film we are looking at is Cinderella, the latest adaptation released in 2021, written for screen and directed by Kay Cannon. And it's the usual thing. Camilla Cabello, who you might know from the pop group Fifth Harmony and has also gone off to do her own things. She plays Cinderella, who is left orphaned and has to do the housework by her stepmother, played by Adina Menzel. And the prince... Meets her, fascinated by her, hosts a ball, and godmothers are all around, and y y you know the drill. People who will change your life? Yes, I was just crying and singing about it like two minutes ago. Then go, you shall! 
Oh, look at that. This is different. I don't okay, think... Dad, you said you wanted to be a businesswoman. It's magic time. Holy. Where's my tail? I can't balance without my tail. It didn't happen, and even if it did happen... Hi. Would you like to dance? Right now. So here's the thing. When I heard the first number, I vaguely recalled the tune, but I genuinely thought it was a score of original songs. And then I heard the cast starting to sing a Queen song, and I started to cringe myself out of existence. And then I just proceeded to be offended by their song choices throughout the rest of the film. Sometimes it works, sometimes it felt very shoehorned. And related to that, this film, on reflection, is so much like a British pantomime. And if you're from America and don't really know what pantomimes are, it's this really niche British thing that come the Christmas season or coming the new year when vaguely famous people dress in fun outfits and there's a lot of audience interaction and there's a lot of shoehorned in pop songs that relatively feel adjacent to the plot. And it definitely feels like that for this film. And I think once you start looking at it in that way, you can definitely feel the film is good for what it wants to be. I understand the frustration with James Corden and just this film in general. But I think sometimes people go online and they hate watch it and they're a lot harsher on it than I think people should be. It obviously isn't cinematically the best piece of screenwriting in the universe, but I think if you want some entertainment, you want to hear some well-sung songs. And there's a lot of British comedians in it as well. I was very surprised by that. A lot of people are going to be watching it for James A. Caster. Loved him in it. Genuinely think he was the highlight of the film. Everyone worked together really well to create a fun film that had some changes to it that actually I quite liked. Although, side note, the way they treated Rob Beckett in this film, they did him dirty, man. So Rob Beckett plays this undesirable suitor that the girls in the house are not really interested in. He's not even that bad. He just seems older. Like, he seems nice. And they are repulsed by him. And I'm like, dude, you know, Rob Beckett is just vibing. You know, why you gotta hate on him like that? I think a summary of this is that it really depends on the mood you're in and the kind of films that you want to see. This is genuinely the best career performance of James Corden I've seen in a while, but that's mainly because I only tolerated him for maximum, like, five to ten minutes. Although the only thing that really put me off was the really terrible CGI of the mice. It felt like CBB's level of CGI. And, and don't get me wrong, there are some great technical achievements probably with CBB shows, but it, it definitely came across as that with the mice. I could go on talking about this film for quite a while, but I'm going to stop now. I guess the too long, didn't really pay attention section of this review is that it is fun for what it is. Don't hate on it too hard. And God, can films just not try and cover Queen songs? Now we're on to the last film of the week. This one is a lot more obscure, but I've been wanting to cover this for such a long time. And I finally, finally have been able to watch it. The last film we're looking at this week is Kwaku Ananse, released in 2013, directed by Akusua Adoma Owusu. It stars Jojo Abbott as Nayan, 
and her father, Grago Manansi, passes away and it's his funeral. And Nyan decides to, as a form of processing grief, to go into the nearby forest. It's an interpretation of a traditional Ghanaian fairy tale. So this film was really interesting to me. It flew by so quickly. It really didn't feel like 26 minutes. And it's only available on the Criterion channel, so I did have to get the free trial in order to watch it. And I cancelled it immediately. I liked it. It definitely had potential. The script is minimalist. I don't think the film was prioritising in realistic dialogue. It's very restricted. And so I think it causes you to pay a lot of attention to the scenery and what is going on. I thought the overall design and the cinematography was really great. I quite liked. And the cinematography was done by Pedro Gonzalez Rubio. And I think it was edited really well as well by Okosua Adoma Owusu and Rodrigo Guindero. Music was really great as well, actually, by Hector Ruiz. So I think this is a really nice, intimate piece of film. It's a short film, as I said, it's only 26 minutes, but it definitely was fascinating. It went by far too quickly, and I really would have loved to be submersed in its world a lot more and find out more about the fairy tale. But I guess that's coming from a very white Eurocentric view on this. So I'd be interested in hearing people's thoughts if they've heard about this Ghanaian fairy tale but yeah, if you're looking for a little indie gems sort of buried in Criterion Channel or movie and things like that, this is definitely worth a watch. Now, those are all the films I watched this week, and I think I'm going to go for The Green Knight. What I forgot to mention is that the ending is very ambiguous, which really grinds my gears. People will know this. It's not my favourite thing in the world. It's not a great form of storytelling. It's just annoying. And it comes across as the scriptwriter aka David Lowery, didn't know how to finish the film, so whatever. But I think it's so immersive, technically so well done, and Dev Patel is worth it completely for watching the movie. So hopefully it gets released in the UK soon, and it'll get added to the things to watch on Christmas thing for people who prefer more spooky slash non-children friendly cinematic reel of films. But that is everything for this week. Please rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. That would be so appreciated. This series also has a Patreon. So if you fancy supporting the show, the link to that is in the show notes. It's only £1 a month. And you can keep up with things related to the podcast at Lights Carry Action on Instagram and on my personal Twitter at Carrie Jomo. But that is everything for this week. Take care and stay safe.